Would you turn with me this evening to two openings? 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 15, 2 Corinthians 2. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, we have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one. Hold up your hand and let our ushers get one to you because it's important that you make the effort and turn in the Bible. Find these places. Let your eyes rest upon them so that you'll know this is not just the words of men, but the words of God. In praying about this evening and the coming days and weeks and months, I felt like that for the time being I was released from our series that we've been talking on. What are we talking about? Reigning in life. Right? And uh, you know, um, your, uh, your spirit... I should say it the other way. Well, no, that's 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 the way. Your spirit is a lot like your body, because your body is a lot like your spirit. And uh, for instance, with with vitamins, your body can only absorb so much at, at one time, whether it's food or supplements. And beyond that, just putting it in it, your body won't absorb it. Spiritually, it's the same way. You you know, uh, so you know instead of us trying to cover everything on a subject and spending you know five years on reigning in life, which you could, uh, we 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 get a good dose of it, right? And let our body, I mean our spirit, our spirit uh, assimilate it, digest it, meditate on it. Then later on we give you another dose. Right? Same thing with healing. Same thing with prosperity. Right? And uh, you do understand that if you're going to develop in any of these things, there must be more than just hearing it. Right? You must be a doer of it. You must, be a, you must exercise yourself in that area. You must practice healing. You must practice prosperity. You must practice reigning in life. Put it into practice. And of course we have a church full of doers. Because hmm? if you're a hearer only, what kind of results will you get? Just like you haven't even heard it. Is it. Would it be possible to sit in all those weeks of reigning in life and get no benefit out of it? Huh? Is it possible? To hear 300 messages on healing and get no benefit? Yes, sir. It is possible. Ought not be. Why? If you are a hearer only. You must be a receiver. A believer and a receiver and a doer. So everybody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. These are the only people that get results in their life. 
So if you're talking to a friend or relative or whoever about something and, and they're talking about, you know, uh, what all they know uh, and, and they're not getting results, just say, ho, 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 ho. Now, it's not about what you know. Right. What are you doing? Right. What, what are you put into pra- practice? What, what are you living? Because that's the only people who get results are the doers. Let me see with a show of hands again. How many doers do I have in here? Yeah. Wow, good. That's all the people who are getting results in their life. Life is changing for you for the better on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm raising my hand too. So I want to be, to get into this tonight, and uh, I, I'm, you know, I think I know where I'm going, but uh, some things you, you don't know till you take steps that way. So let's just see uh, where the Lord leads us from here. But in 1 Corinthians 15... And then 2 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 15, are you there? Yes, sir. Let's pray and then we'll read these things. Father, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. I thank you for everybody that's here. Uh, many things have happened in our life for us to be here tonight in good health and rightness of mind and blessed. You've sustained us. So many bad things didn't happen to us. Thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, our teacher and our guide. We yield to him tonight. Thank you for your holy written word, perfect, refined, pure, life to us, medicine to all of our flesh. We honor your word. We revere your word. We receive your word. Show us how to put it in practice. Grace us and we'll be doers. In Jesus' name, thank you for enlightenment of eyes, open ears, open hearts. Let there come divine grace deposits, truth impartation, revelation that sets free. In Jesus' name, amen. Said out loud, thank you for revelation. Thank you, Lord, for revelation of truth that makes us free. I believe we're on the verge of great revelation, much more revelation. How many can look back and say, your life is better today than it was five years ago? Hmm? Why? Why? You got light, right? You got light from God, from his word and by his spirit, and you acted upon it, and your life is better. Do you suppose there's at least that much more light in the Word that we've not yet seen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then can you be, can you get as much more free in the next couple of years as you've gotten in the past couple of years? Would you be in good shape? Because, you know, a lot, a lot of you feel like you're doing pretty good now. You're, you know, no, you hadn't arrived. But, friend, there is so much more. There is so much more. And it comes through light. That's what, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. So let's read the the scripture. First Corinthians, you're believing God with me tonight, right? Believe with me. First Corinthians 15, 57, 15, 57. What does it say? But thanks be to God, 
which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Man, we could shout right there, couldn't we? I mean. <laughs> now, did, did you sense that? What is that? Is that because I'm such a dynamic speaker that you got excited when we read that verse? You won't hurt my feelings when you say no. No, it's not. What, what is it? It's the, but it's not just the word. It's the word for now. See, you'll sense a quickening, won't you? You'll sense... Now, now, there's a number of reasons why I go through these things. we got a lot of preachers here. And so preachers, uh, you know, that's what you watch for. Everybody does. Watch for it. You know, I, I used to lead singing. I led singing at healing school for many years, 10 plus years. I led uh, singing in... Uh, in church for years on Wednesday nights and other things. And when I was first getting started, I made some mistakes and the Lord helped me get it straightened up. I'd be singing a song and uh, boy, it'd be, good, be going good. And, uh, and then I'd think, well, I've sung that enough and I'd change and it'd get flat. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, hmm, I don't like flat. It's like one fellow said, he's trying, trying to describe the anointing, and he, he, was, uh, he, would call, he was calling it the ointment, <laughs> the ointment. And some said, what, what do you mean? What is the ointment? He said, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know when it ain't. <laughs> and you do know when it ain't, because it's flat, dry, dull. And a lot of times when people leave the anointing and it's flat and dry, instead of just admitting that you left the anointing, they try to make all these excuses like people are not spiritual enough to get what I'm giving and, and all this other kind of stuff. Well, no, a lot of times you just missed it. You got off. And I'm interested you can do that quoting scriptures. You can be quoting scriptures one right after another, but it's not what the Spirit is saying to this group for right now. It's good and it's true, but it's not what he's saying. And so uh, I was praying, asking the Lord about it. And uh, he spoke to my heart. I don't mean to hurt an audible voice, but inside me, he said, son, stay with what I give you until I give you the next thing. Now that's that's profound, isn't it? <laughs> but see, people change just to be changing. People change just because, well, we've done this. We've done this before. We've done it long enough. And so many times leave the anointing. And when it's when when you're leaving the anointing and you can tell, don't just keep going down that thing, that, that path out of uh, pride. I know years ago we were on a satellite meeting, Brother Hagin. He called me up to do a song, and I came up to the piano. And I mean, we were, we were broadcasting around the world. I mean, in the place, there were thousands of people there. 
And I started doing this song, and I could tell by the second chord, this ain't it. And the cameras are zooming in. But now I got a choice. I can go ahead and do all three verses flat. (laughs) Or I can admit I'm going the wrong way. Right? So I did I just did. I just stopped. And I said, I'm sorry, that's the wrong direction. And I started another direction. And I mean, by the time I touched the keys, you could tell there's some anointing this way. Well, see, it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Not, not, not your good singing, not your good playing, not your good speaking, not even your scripture quoting. Did you hear me? Not your yelling, not your sweating. What is it? It's the anointing. Is the Lord obligated to anoint just whatever you decide to do? No, No, he is not. And he's not going to. Because your plan is not better than his. You'll never have a better idea than he does. Right? So if you leave him and you got another plan, then he's just going to stand there and watch you. While you fall flat. And you can go and cry and feel sorry for yourself and make a hundred excuses, but it's not his fault. And we're all growing in learning to be led. And, uh, you know, I've never met anybody that's never made a mistake in these areas. But the way you grow is you admit. Did you hear me? Admit that you missed it. And uh, we're going to grow in these things. We're going to grow In yielding to the Spirit. We're going to grow in all the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Right? In our personal life. And and in our services. We're going to have all the manifestations of the Spirit. But uh, we're going to be teachable. Right? If you feel like the Lord deals with you to prophesy to somebody. Don't be afraid to step out. But also... Don't be too proud if they turn around and tell you, you know, I don't receive that. That doesn't bear witness with my spirit. Then what do you say? I'm sorry. (laughs) Oops. So then you go and you cry and you feel bad. I'm never going to prophesy again. Well, you're a whiny baby. Grow up. You didn't quit quit driving because you didn't get parallel parking the first time. Right? You didn't quit riding bikes because you, you fell down one time. You've got to stay with it. Right? And if somebody wants to pop up and give a tongue or interpretation or a prophecy, you know, God deals with you. Don't be, don't be embarrassed. Don't be intimidated. But if the group looks at you and goes, nah, don't get your feelings hurt. Right? Just just go, well, okay, I learned something today. <laughs> I learned that's not it. Right? This is how you grow. I said, this is how you grow, but you stay after it. You just keep on, right? Willing, open, teachable. Thanks be to God who gives us what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is uh, one of... 
Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen's uh, one, of, one of his favorites. We'd be riding along in the car. I don't mean one time. must have happened a thousand times at least. We'd be riding along and just uh, he'd just pipe up and go, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory Amen. through our Lord Jesus Christ. He'd just say it, you know, and, uh, at, at all different times. It is a wonderful phrase. Thanks. What? Thanks. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians now, please. 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. 2 Corinthians. And verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2.14. This is one of my personal favorites. Now thanks be unto God. Which always. Always. That means every time. Somebody says well. You win a few. And you lose a few. And that's just how the old ball bounces. Well, I ain't bouncing the old ball no more. I'm a new creature. Right? (laughs) New creation. No, no, no. And in this new creation, in this new birth, in this new life, God always, 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 always causes us to triumph. It makes manifest the savor or the the smell of victory by us. You know, every time we we come into a place, people ought to smell victory. Go, what is that? What is that? It's victory. Victory. Look at their face. You can tell. Victory. We just don't stop. We just don't quit till we see victory. That was a little weak. No matter what it is, you, if you know it's the will of God, you, you, you sow towards it, you speak towards it, you believe towards it, and you do not quit until you see total victory in that area. You just stay on it. Why? Because you know you don't have to settle for defeat because your God has given you his word that he always, always, always causes you to triumph. Always. Always. I got that word in a little picture frame sitting on my desk. It says always. With an exclamation point. I've whipped the devil many a time. Because he'll come to you. I don't mean you actually see him or hear a voice per se. But thoughts come not this time. It's not going to work this time. Your money's not going to come this time. You're not going to be healed this time. You ever heard any such stuff? Devil will always tell you. Not, I mean, you can be healed a thousand times. And the next time the devil will say, not this time. <laughs> you say, yeah, just like last time. <laughs> just like the last time God healed me. Always means always. Every time. If you won't quit, if you won't give up, if you won't cast your confidence away, he will always cause you to triumph. You got you, you got to you got to be a fighter. You can't be a whiner. You got to be a fighter. A man or woman of faith, they can be 
you know, in the 21st round of the match, they can be tied up in the ropes and, and their nose is bleeding and their eyes is swelled up and they'll look through the blood and go, I'm winning. <laughs> I'm winning. Just about got this thing won. And God is committed to you by his word to cause you to win this one too. Because always is always. Always. Glory. I'm glad I came tonight. I I needed to hear that again. (laughs) But now notice what both of these verses begin with. That's right. Thanks. Is there a connection between thanksgiving and victory? There is. I have this stirring in my heart big. And I, you know, we, we may be beginning something here that, that could go on for some time. We'll just see. But this, this truth is stirred in my spirit. This connection between thanksgiving and victory. Well, what's the opposite of thanksgiving? Yeah, whining, griping. Complaining. Well, if, if thanksgiving's connected with victory, what would whining and griping be connected with? Failure. Defeat. Failure. Right? Thanksgiving is a force. It is, a, it is one of the main ways that you act your faith and release your faith. So many things are happening when you truly, from your heart, say, thank you, Lord. Many things are happening. And it sounds so simple. It looks so simple. But, friend, you can thank your way right out of sickness into healing. You can thank your way right out of brokenness into being blessed and prosperous. You can thank your way out of confusion into light. You can thank your way out of weakness into strength. You can thank your way out of darkness into light. Thank your way. Listen to just a few New Testament. I mean, there are many of these, but let me just remind you of a few of them. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. You don't have to turn to these. Just listen for a moment. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How many other places do you see a statement so specific that says, this is the will of God for you? I mean, you don't see that many where it's that strong and that specific. This is the will of God. What's the will of God every day when you wake up? Give thanks. In everything. In everything. I say it sometimes, it sounds humorous, but in your pajamas, what do you do? Give thanks. thanks. In your kitchen, what do you do? In in your closet, what do you say? I hadn't got a thing to wear. I'm so tired of wearing these same old clothes and half of them don't fit and that's frayed and I gotta get some more clothes. 
That's not faith. It's not good. Right? What would you have if you didn't have? What's hanging in there? Well, you'd be naked. And we wouldn't let you in here like that. So you wouldn't even get to come to church. Right? So maybe what you got is not, not the best, but you should be thankful for what you have while you're believing for your better. Right? Man, I know when, I, when Phyllis and I first, we left home and went to Bible school, I had two little cheap sport jackets to my name. We, we, had, we had to get those. Because you're supposed to wear a tie and you're supposed to wear a coat. That's, that's it. So you wear one on Monday and you can wear the other one on Tuesday. But Wednesday you go back to number one. Right? And the Lord taught me back then because, you know, some people had money and they were dressed pretty nice. And it didn't take long. My stuff started looking raggedy. And, uh, and you're tempted to, you know, to, to gripe about it or complain about it. And the Lord dealt with it because I did a little bit, you know. I thought, well, I got to get some clothes. I mean, I, I'm not representing the ministry here, and I'm not. And 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 the Lord said, you won't get them like that. I thought, hmm. Okay. So I began to thank God for what I had and what was coming. And while I was putting on my stuff, you know, you're tempted to look at it and, and despise it. Don't do it. I said, don't do it. I, you know, for years, everybody say years. 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 I'd put on stuff and I'd feel, I'd feel underdressed. I'd feel, especially, I'm going to get up and speak in front of people. There were years I just felt like it, it was bad. I wasn't representing the Lord. I'm preaching prosperity. It didn't look like prosperity. <laughs> but it's where I am. Right? It's where I am. A lot of people get in trouble because they go borrow when they shouldn't borrow, they max out their credit cards at 18 and 21%, trying to act like they're at a level of blessing they're not. Amen. It's got nothing to do with faith. It's got nothing to do with prosperity. It's just pride and foolishness. Well, I got quiet when I said that. Right? You are where you are. Doesn't mean you got to stay there. But if you don't start where you are, you stay where you are. I remember a young preacher one time, he caught me because I was, I was teaching on pride. And I touched on these things a little bit. He caught me after the service. And oh, he looked nice. He was dressed sharp, but he was crying. He said, Brother Keith, that was me you was talking about tonight. He said, I owe everybody in the country for everything I got on. And I'm just in such a mess in my finances. And he said, I just... Hadn't exercised control. I bought things that I shouldn't have bought. And try, see, trying to act like God's, you're the place of promotion that you hadn't been promoted to. Yeah. Trying to act like, you know. You see people that are blessed. You got, sometimes you've got to remind yourself, they didn't get there in two days. They, they didn't get there in a year. Right? right. They didn't start there. Right. Brother Hagen used to, he and I used to have kind of a, a thing. He enjoyed it. He'd get some new suits. And, and I told him this was my confession. That one day I'd have as many new suits as Brother Hagen. <laughs> he laughed. And he'd get, you know, uh, he, he'd get ten new custom suits. 
that somebody gave him, just, just gave to him. And he'd say, boy, you're getting behind. He said, <laughs> he said, you thought you were catching up. I got 10 new ones this week. I thought, oh, dad. And he, he thought it was funny. Because for many years of his life, he had won. Did you hear me? Years after years. I mean, he'd tell about how that they borrowed a dress from um, uh, his sister for Miss Aretha, his wife, to wear to the conference because she didn't have anything decent enough to wear. And this is after being in the ministry for years. Well, what I'm saying is he didn't start out with three closets full of custom clothes. But how many believe after 60 years of believing God, you shouldn't be too shocked, right? If you've been sowing and sowing and sowing and believing and believing, well, it's going to start coming in. And if you've been sowing on every wave, it's going to start coming back in on every wave, right? And I remember, uh, oh, this would have been at least 15 years ago. I was out of the country and... uh, the Lord, my, my clothes were substandard, and, and and the Lord dealt with me about this pastor I was speaking for. Said, buy him a new custom suit. Well, man, I'd never bought myself one, uh, a tailored suit, and I did, and he was surprised, and I took him to one of the one of the most expensive places we could find, and and I I we bought it and and and, and wrote the check for it, and the money was in the bank, just like it wasn't all I had. But it cleaned me out. And I didn't do it because I was trying to play big shot. The Lord dealt with me to do it. In fact, I, I prayed about it for two days. Right? Because you can miss it on these things. But what did I have then? I got, I got seed in the ground for that level of stuff. Did you hear me? And it wasn't too long until better stuff started coming my way. But... The, the thing the Lord taught me is, is be thankful for what you have now and by faith what you believe is coming in. But it's thankfulness now and thankfulness for what's coming. But it's thankful, thankful, thankful. Everybody say thankful. Thankful because I'm telling you, griping will cut off your blessing. Complaining will cap you. It will limit you. Right? The Bible talks about back in so is it Psalm 71 that they turned and limited the Holy One of Israel and he's describing the situation where the Israelites were out there in the wilderness and what, was they, what were they famous for out there? Hmm? All we got is this old manna. I'm so tired. It's manna cakes for breakfast and, and manna soup for lunch and manna souffle and manna casserole and manna pudding. I'm sick of manna. Is that okay? It's not okay. Because what would they had if they hadn't had the manna? There were no grocery stores out there. God is spectacularly, I mean, think about it now. Can you become so hardened and dulled that you don't even realize that there is spectacular, miraculous provision taking place in your life daily? They did. They became so dull. And what's accompanied with that dullness? Griping. Griping. Griping and complaining is one of the most serious things you can do in your life. 
It opens the door to the destroyer. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. You're there in second, but go uh, 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and let's look at this. Don't be too quiet. The people around you will think you've been griping a lot. You just, <laughs> just say, thank you, Lord, once in a while and look straight ahead. What the Bible say? In everything, give thanks. In abundant harvest, what do you do? In a tough situation, what do you do? Give thanks. When your symptoms are improving and you're feeling good, what do you do? When they just got worse and you got a bad report, what do you do? Give thanks. You're not not giving thanks for the sickness. Did you hear me? Because God didn't send the sickness. Any more than you'd give thanks for sin. Right? But if somebody was in sin, could you give thanks? Yeah, for coming out. Right? For God delivering you in every situation. He said in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 5. With many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now you need to back up to the end of the ninth chapter to get to remind yourself of the subject, why, how the Holy Ghost led him to this point. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, last verse of ninth chapter, he said, I keep under my body, would that include your tongue? Yes, sir. I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Other translations bring out disqualified or rejected. Can you be disqualified for something that really belongs to you in Christ? So then now he goes beginning to give the the perfect example of how people were disqualified from what they should have enjoyed. That first generation of Israelites that God brought out of Egyptian bondage. The Bible said in Hebrews that the works were finished from the foundation of the world for them to go into Canaan's land and enjoy it. Let me just stop right here and ask you, was it God's perfect will that those folk wander around out there for 40 years? Was that God's plan at all? No. No. What was his plan? For them to go through the wilderness, pass tests, learn valuable lessons, and enter into the promised land. Right? Probably within a matter of months. Right? But they didn't. That whole generation died out there in that barren, bleak, dry place. Never enjoyed the bountiful grapes and the fountains and the fig trees and all the... They never enjoyed what belonged to them. Why? They were disqualified. I said they were dis- they disqualified themselves, and one of the principal expressions of, of how that happened, what do we hear them saying every time we hear something recorded? What, what do we hear? 
We're all going to die out here in the wilderness. You just brought us out here to die. And there's nothing to eat. And we don't have watermelons like we had back in Egypt. And, and I, I like garlic. And we had that with onions. I what I'd give for an onion. <laughs> I'm not just making this up. Have you read it? Yeah, We're all going to die out here. You've killed the people of the Lord. You've led us out here to die. What's that sound like? Whining, griping, complaining, or the Bible, King James uses another word, murmuring, murmuring. How many understand that's about as opposite thanksgiving as you can get? Murmuring. Murmuring is being unthankful, unthankful. You can't, you can't gripe thankfully. You can't murmur with a grateful heart. Can you? No. No. <laughs> Keep reading. He said, verse 10, don't neither murmur, 1 Corinthians 10, 10, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were what? destroyed of the destroyer. Is there a connection between murmuring and being destroyed? Absolutely. Murmuring, complaining, opens the door to the destroyer. I know you think the same way I do. I do not want the door open to the destroyer in any area of my life. Right? I want the door closed. Give no place to the enemy. That he's got no place to get in. What's a big thing we can do to cause this to happen? Eliminate complaining from our life. From our vocabulary. From our lifestyle. Eliminate it. And cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. It's something we do just as naturally as breathing. We breathe in, thank you, Lord. We breathe out, thank you, Lord. We blink our eyes, thank you, Lord. Right? Take a drink of water, thank you, Lord. Sit down to a meal, thank you, Lord. Get up from the meal, thank you, Lord. Lay down and put your head on the pillow, thank you, Lord. Get up in the morning, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One one of the easiest ways to shut the door to the devil and open the door to God. One of the easiest ways. Now, I know most of us have heard things along these lines. But we're, we're not being the doers that we can be. And there's always greater levels of revelation and practice. So I believe we should camp on this. Uh, go to Philippians while, while we're talking about this. Flip over to Philippians. <laughs> Y'all are easily entertained. That's, that's <laughs> I thank God for that. 
Because <laughs> I've been in crowds that were not. That's not fun. They're looking at you like, we've heard the best. And who are you? Bless me if you can. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a hard crowd, man. That's... <laughs> Philippians. Verse thir- uh, chapter 2, Philippians 2, 13. Philippians 2, 13 says, For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. To will to do his will, to will to please him. Now we've read very plainly in the New Testament One thing that he said, this is the will of God. What is it? Hmm? Let me read it to you again. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, that was, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This is the will of God. Say it out loud. This is the will of God God. that I give thanks thanks in everything. everything. This This is the will of God for me. Now, he said God is working in us to will to do that. And how many know that when you do yield and say, thank you, Lord, I mean, it, it's something you don't have to prime your insides to do. Yeah. It's something that's already working inside you as a child of God if you yield to it and give place to it. Shouldn't be a foreign thing to us at all. God's working in us to will and to flow this way. But he says in verse 14, which this, it all goes together. The will of God is in everything give thanks. And verse 14 says what? Do all things. How many things? All means what? All. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. So when is, when is it okay to murmur? In what situation do you have a right to complain? You hear that language, though, don't you? Well, you have a right to complain. But did you ever find any scripture for that? No. Do all things. The other verse said, in everything. Do all things without murmurings. In other words, everything you do should be complaint-free. Everything you do gripeless gripeless life <laughs> the gripeless life <laughs> how many stand with, with, with a lot of households that would be a major change yeah. wouldn't it oh, yeah. I mean it would be radical radical That you never heard a gripe out of his mouth. That you never, you'd wait all day and all night and not hear one gripe out of her mouth. But it would be doing the Bible. It'd be doing what the Lord told. He didn't say try to do it. He said do it. Right? 
This may be more spiritual than you think tonight. This is important. This is major. If adjustments are made tonight, miracles will happen in the future. Miracles. Just acting on these things tonight could save relationships. Can close the door to the thief and the destroyer. Can open the door to God. Give, give God a legal right. In fact, I wrote this down some years ago. Thanking God for victory gives him the legal right to do it. Thanking God for the victory. Thanking him for the healing gives him a legal right to work healing in you. Thanking him for the money gives him a legal right to get the money to you. Thanking him. Besides that, it's more fun. Griping is not fun. more you gripe, the worse you feel. Hmm? You don't have to raise your hand, but does anybody know what I'm talking about? The The more you gripe, and everybody around you feels worse too. Have you, have you ever been around somebody just gripe, 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 gripe? Did it make you feel like shouting? Did it make you feel like, whoo, we got the victory? No, no. What does it make you want to do? Get away. But the thing is, see, see people think. If you're a Christian and you walk in love, and if somebody's griping, that love will pet them. People think you're supposed to pet gripers, and you're supposed to pet powders. You're not supposed to pet powders. I said you're not supposed to pet powders. People griping and griping and griping. You're not supposed to go, well, bless your heart. Gripe some more. <laughs> you, got, you got a reason to complain. You got a cause. You're just reinforcing their unbelief. That's right. You're just saying, yeah, kick that door wide open for the destroyer to come in. Amen. I'll help you invite him. People don't realize what they're doing. Griping is serious. Complaining is serious. It enacts spiritual laws. It is releasing unbelief. It is releasing fear. It is calling for negative and destructive things to happen in your life. Think about if people say, I never get any. Nobody ever helps me. What would you just say? What if you believe that nobody ever helps you and you say that nobody ever helps you? Jesus said you'll have what you say. You are putting spiritual laws into motion. They always pass over me. I've been working here for 20 years. I should have had that spot. I should have had that promotion 10 years ago. But they always pass over me. They probably tried to give it to you two or three times and something got a hold of them and they couldn't do it. Why? Because you got spiritual laws working against you. What if you said, thank you, Lord. 
I have favor everywhere I go. It's easy for me to be promoted. People are looking for me to bless me. Right? And you got to say it when, it when you just got passed over. That's when faith really shines. You just got passed over and you just go, well, I'm glad for them. And, and your feelings may say, I am not. You say, shut up. Yes, you are. I just should have had you say, shut up. We are not complaining. The, by the New Testament told me to do all things without complaining and in everything to give thanks. And in this situation, I will give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for this job. Thank you, Lord, for them being blessed. And thank you that I prosper. Thank you, Lord, that you always have the best opportunities. I always, always have favor. Everything I set my hand to prospers. And I excel. And promotion is coming to me. You can't say that and believe that consistently and nothing happened for you. Has to happen. It's a spiritual law. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. You'll be tempted to gripe. Have you ever been tempted to gripe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll be tempted and you got to bite your lip. You got to bite your lip and go, oh. No, I'm not talking like that. No, I know better. I know better. Glory to God. Hmm. Man, I got so much to cover. I got I got the introduction. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you a definition of thankfulness, and then let me start talking about the effects. And uh, I don't, I don't know that we'll be able to get through with this tonight, but we can, we can get you a foundation to, to to go from. Thankfulness means what you think it would mean. Looking up the original words, it means literally uh, gratefulness. Grateful. Gratefulness. But it, it also means expressing gratefulness. How many understand that's not the same thing? What, what does it mean, expressing? That means you don't just think thank you. You say it, and you express it in word and action. And this is significant because faith without works or action is dead, and this is a big part of releasing your faith. So thankfulness is being grateful, but it is also what? Expressing. Expressing thankfulness. Now, being unthankful, thank you, Lord. Go go to Acts 13. Being unthankful, as we've already seen, murmuring disqualified them from what belonged to them. So keep that thought in mind. Being unthankful, being ungrateful, griping, complaining disqualifies you. 
Nobody wants to be disqualified. But is there a lot of griping going on? In, I didn't say in your house. Is there a lot of griping going on around in society, in the world, in, in most churches, in most homes? Is there a lot of griping? Well, if that's true, that griping and complaining disqualifies you, that would be a big answer as to why some things are not happening. Right? And if griping and complaining opens the door to the destroyer, and there's so much of it around, it would be an answer as to why a lot of things happen that shouldn't be happening. Right? And now we, we, we don't just need to let this, you know, rush over our head tonight. Is this true? Is this just what Brother Keith said, or is this Bible? Does murmuring open the door to the destroyer? 1 Corinthians 10, we saw it. We didn't just see it in the verse. We saw it in their life. Right? We saw it all through the scripture. Go back and read in Numbers and Deuteronomy and Exodus and all those places. I mean, they were consumed. They were destroyed. They were disqualified from their blessing. Why? Unbelief and fear expressed through murmuring. Murmuring. So it disqualifies and it opens the door to the destroyer. Now in Acts, the 13th chapter, and if somebody has an amplified, maybe you could uh, bring it to me. Please. Acts 13. And. uh, 44. Thank you sir. Acts 13 and 44. It said that you know. Paul and his company. Are going out into a place. And they preached the, the good news. And it was the first time all these people heard it. But there was so much anointing on it and so much results that the Bible said, verse 44, the next Sabbath, Acts 13, 44, the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Man, they had huge crowds. Almost the whole city turned out for the meeting. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, the crowds, they were what? What should they have been filled with? Thanksgiving. Right? I mean, you've got to, almost the whole city wanting to come to church. How long have they been going and never seen anything like this? See, a lot of times people, people say they want things, but it's an unsaid thing. They only want it if they get to do it, if they get to head it up. But you, you, you won't be used of God like that. You've you got to be such that, Lord, we, we want to see people healed. I, it doesn't have to be under my hand. It doesn't have to be from my preaching. Right? We, we want to see people get saved. They don't, have to, they don't all have to come to our church. Right? We want them saved. We want people to get back to God, filled with the Spirit, delivered. Right? It, it doesn't have to come through us. We don't have to be per, personally involved in it for us to be glad about it. And so they, I'm sure they probably thought, they probably had all kind of plans, you know, to, to, to pack their places out. And here it finally happens, but they don't like it because it wasn't one of them. God brought in Paul to do it. And they were filled with what? Envy. Envy. And they spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Now, now, now notice this, they were 
if it was just because they disagreed with their doctrine, they'd have done it the week before. Because they're preaching the same thing. They did it under the guise of we don't agree with your doctrine, but it wasn't the real issue. The real issue was his crowds were bigger than theirs. And so they know they, they, know they can't say that. I don't like you because your crowd's bigger. So what are they going to say? We don't agree with what you teach. Hypocrisy. But notice verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. And they said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. What did they do? They judged their self. Unworthy, or in other words, rejected, disqualified, right? How was it expressed? In their failure to give thanks. Speaking against it, murmuring about it instead of giving thanks. Giving thanks. Now now go back to, or go over rather, to Romans. Romans, please. Romans, the first chapter. Unthankfulness disqualifies you for the blessing. Unthankfulness, murmuring, griping, opens the door to the destroyer. In Romans 1, are you there? Romans 1. And verse 20. Romans 1, 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. How many understand that anybody, look at this world, look at the vast oceans, look at the mountain ranges, look up in the the sky and see all the stars and then say there's no God? They're just trying to be ignorant. Right? Well, it, it was just, it was one of those things that everything was exactly right and there was the big bang and it just happened so that life could happen. Well, like one fellow said to me, he said, that's like uh, taking a bunch of C4 and setting it off in the middle of a salvage yard and when the dust clears, there's a new Mercedes sitting there. <laughs> Yeah, it was a big bang. When he spoke, I suppose it probably was. But, you know, all of the things that are made, all, all the, everything, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Even this earth in its fallen state, so affected by the curse, there's still so much that remains of the beauty of God. And it's in a fallen, cursed state. No, you have to be a fool. The Bible says a fool 
to say there is no God. But he said, you know, people have this witness. The invisible things of God are seen, clearly seen, and understood by the things that are made. Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they what? They glorified him not as God, neither were what? Thankful. Thankful. Now, there is a direct connection between thanking God and glorifying God. Direct connection. For instance, how many remember in Luke 17 about the ten lepers? And the Lord said, you know, go show you to the priests. And they did. While they went, as they went, they were healed. And... uh, One of them turned and came back and fell down on his face and gave glory to God. And Jesus referred to it. It talked about, you know, one one place it says gave glory. The other place it says gave thanks. Giving thanks is giving glory. Right? Abraham, fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform He wasn't weak in faith, but was strong in faith. Doing what? Giving glory to God. Giving glory. How many think Abraham went around saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving, fulfilling your promise to me. Thank you, Lord, for changing Sarah's body. Thank you for changing my body. Thank you for doing what you told us you'd do. Thank you. Well, that glorifies God. What about griping? What What does griping do? Nothing is working right. That glorifies the devil. Take one step forward, get knocked back too. You might as well be saying, good job, devil. Boy, you're doing it. I can't get ahead. Good job, devil. You're winning. Nothing's working for me. I understand we, we don't, uh, when, at the front of the service, we don't tell what the devil's doing. We don't give him any glory. We don't gripe, Right? Oh, this ain't working, and then it didn't happen, and y'all didn't do this, and y'all didn't do that, and we didn't do this. And No, anybody can be negative, but it takes faith to give thanks in every situation to find something to give thanks for. Can you stay with me a few more minutes? Huh? Stir yourself up a little bit. What did he say? He said, they didn't glorify him as God, neither were they thankful. And what happened to them? They became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. What happens when you don't give thanks? It darkens you. Let me read another translation or two of this. When you fail to give thanks, when you fail to give glory to God, the New Living says uh, they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused. The English says their thoughts have become complete nonsense and their empty minds are filled with darkness. Why? Didn't acknowledge God, didn't glorify God, didn't give thanks to God, didn't give thanks. 
Have, have you ever dealt with somebody that was confused? In the dark about what to do? Hmm? What was going on? If you'll notice, it's always accompanied with a lack of thanksgiving. It's always accompanied with complaining and griping. Now, we, we, we could stop right here or I could go on just a little bit further. Hmm? And meddle a little bit. <laughs> if you've had all you want and you're ready to go, that's all right, I understand. But, uh, we, you know, I, I, I've known some things in my heart. You know, so, so many times you're led to do things and you knew it was right, but you didn't know why. And then as you grow, you learn, you begin to see, oh, okay. That's why he led me that way. Because you see it in the Word. Spirit of God always leads you in line with the Word. Always. Always. Being unthankful disqualifies you. Disqualifies you. The Lord gave me this phrase uh, some years ago, and I, I wrote it down. He said, you can't be gracious to someone who feels they deserve it. You can't be gracious to one who feels they deserve it. Now, God is gracious. God gives his grace to whom? Scriptorians, Bible readers. He gives his grace to who? The humble. He resists the proud. You'll find this invariably. The humble are thankful. All the time. Proud folks are not thankful. Proud folks choke on saying thank you. They choke on it. Humble people have no trouble (laughs) saying thank you. Thank you. The, uh, well, this is so big. Let me go over this slowly. When you're unthankful, it disqualifies you. God gives grace to the humble, gives grace to the thankful. If, if you bought somebody a new car, and they came and they looked at it, and they said, where's the keychain? You know, they make little gold keychains you can get with these. You, you forgot the keychain. What would you think? Huh? Why? If you thought about the keychain, why would you bring it up? Right? If, if, now you might, if you turn around and say, oh, now don't, don't you misunderstand me. I appreciate the car. Uh Uh-uh. You've already revealed your heart. You are unthankful. Now, you can try to tell us for the rest of the day that you are thankful, but if you were thankful, you wouldn't have brought up the keychain. Did you hear me? There are things you don't bring up 
Uh, go, go to Romans. I've got to give you a little more scripture. We've already given you about three sermons in one here. But that's all right. Romans, the 11th chapter. Ah, just go to Romans 4. Let me give you, go ahead and give you both barrels. It's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Romans 4, verse 1. What shall we say then that our Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? If Abraham were justified by what? Works. Works he has whereof uh, to glorify but not before God. If he was justified by what he did then he has something to glory in and take credit in. He said but it ain't so before God. For what says the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that what? Works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In other words, it's owed to them. Did you hear that phrase? You're going to hear it again. If it's works, then it's owed to them. But if it's grace, it's not of debt. It wasn't owed. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now turn right on over to... uh, The 11th chapter of Romans. 11. 11. 5. 11. 5. Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of what? Grace. Grace. And if by grace then is it no more of works... Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What's he saying? If it's grace, it can't be works. Right? If it's works, it can't be grace. Now now get this. If it's owed to you, it can't be grace. If it's owed to you, it was works. And if it's works, it can't be grace. So I'll repeat to you what the Lord said to me about that. You cannot be gracious to one who feels they deserve it. This is how God is. And this is also how godly people are. And this is how godly parents train their children. You do not let yourself think about what people owe you. Did you hear me? Because that is the road that opens up all the complaining, all the griping. They owe me. Never let those words come out of your mouth. They do oftentimes in heated arguments between spouses. Between family. You owe me. Boy that's about as ungodly as you can talk. Did you hear me? That's about as much unbelief as you can talk. And what you're doing is you are throwing the door open to the destroyer. 
in your relationship and in your house. You owe me. You, you know. <laughs> oh boy, I'm seeing things while I'm talking here. <laughs> when people get into it, they say, "Well, now, now, now they just sit down and hear me out. You owe me that much." Why do they owe you that much? Why? And how many understand what I'm saying? We got a whole generation that thinks everybody owes them something. Right? That a restaurant owes them millions of dollars because the coffee was too hot. We got a Sue Happy get something for nothing generation that's always looking well they owe me they owe me pain and suffering they owe me this they owe me that and and they are that way with everybody from God on down they owe me I've had people just just come up aggravated with me because I teach faith and healing and they say I don't understand you know ain't, ain't many she's a fine woman you know love God with all her heart and we prayed and did everything that we knew how to do for her to be healed and she didn't get healed why she was a fine woman she's a good woman I said well what does that have to do with her being healed they look at you like you slapped them they think well what are they saying God owes her He most certainly does not. If he owes her, grace is not involved. Did you hear me? What does God owe you? Because of anything you have done. Nothing. Now Jesus has done something for us. Right? And in him... We have access to all these blessings, but this owe me stuff is some of the most devilish, ungodly, unbelief, destructive stuff you can get into. They owe me. And I'm telling you, it's everywhere. It's everywhere you look. It's all around. You owe me. It's not, if it's not said, it's implied. Uh, we, we've, you know, in the ministry... It's taken me a while to learn this myself. But I, I've had ministers just get mad with me. Because I, I wouldn't take out my time and go sit down and, and spend half a day with them. Well, why do they think that I owe them that? You, you get people, you know, that pop up at the church and go, well, you know, you're supposed to pay my bills. And you're supposed to do this and that. Why are we supposed to? Did you hear me? Now we've done a lot of these kind of things. But not because we felt like we owed it to anybody. Because the Lord dealt with us. Did you hear me? Well you owe it. Why? Because you have money and I don't. You owe it to me. I do not. No. Uh. No. You owe it to me. Why? Because I go to your church and you owe it to me to spend the week with me. Teach me one-on-one. Now, now let's just stop right here because, because we, wait, we've had, you know, stuff like that. When people say something like that, they're irritated, they're upset. What did they just tell me? They do not appreciate what we do. Did you hear me? 
They, they don't, they're, they're not thankful for what we're doing. They're not thankful for the church. They're not thankful for all the messages that they've received. They're not thankful for what it took to, 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 you know, to believe and to do this thing every day. They don't appreciate any of it. Why? Because they're asking for something else. And listen to me now. Whether, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your child, whether it's your brother or sister, whether it's a fellow church member. When people are unthankful and demanding more, you do wrong to give them more. They, they don't qualify for more. Amen. They're not worthy of more. Now, if you don't see this all at once, don't take my word for it. Get in the book. Here's the question. Is God this way? Is, does he just bless everybody the same? Then did he say to him that has, and if you look at the, if you read the text, to him that values what he has, utilizes what he has, to him more will be given. Yes. What about to him that has not? Be taken away what he, has. he doesn't value what he has. Right. He doesn't use what he has. Well, he'll lose what he has. Right? He doesn't qualify for more. Is God big on this? Yes. Does God respond to people out of their works? Does God respond to people that think he owes it to them? Absolutely. You talk about a big theme in the New Testament. It's grace or it's nothing. Right? It's by his grace or you don't get it. Period. None of this owe me stuff. I've done this and I've done that. So you ought to do that. Boy, you're coming on the wrong basis. You better, you better talk about how the Lord bought it for you, Amen. how he paid it, how you didn't deserve it, you didn't earn it, but he bought it for you anyway, yeah. how it's grace. You don't claim to deserve it. You don't claim to have merited it, but you know he's gracious, right? You can be gracious to someone who doesn't feel they deserve it, that you owe it to them. Well, this is interesting tonight, isn't it? Yeah. Don't take my word for it at all. Get in this book. Search it out. Look at other scriptures. Think about it. Don't. The enemy. He will drain you. Through people. Your own kids. Your own grandkids. Your, your own brothers and sisters. He'll drain you. Through people. If you let him. Demanding. You're my brother. Well, you're you're my daddy. You got to do this for me. You 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 know you're my husband. You're my. You got to do this for me. But what are the, what are they saying? You owe me, friend. When you hear that language, I want you to just sit down like an old mule in the road. And at this point, you're not doing anything. Right? Till you hear from God, you're not doing anything. Why? Because it is devilish pressure. It's devilish. Well, at least you got to do this. Said who? Who said I got to? Who said I'm supposed to? No. You can't be gracious to one who feels they deserve it. When the change is made and there's no more griping, there's no more complaining, there's no more belly aching, there's just thank you, thank you. Thank you. Then you're not acting like you deserve it. You're saying thank you. Yes. I didn't deserve it, but you did it for me. Thank you. 
thank you, then what are you doing? You're qualifying yourself for more and more and more. You're qualifying yourself. Everybody say qualifying yourself. Qualifying yourself. Thank you. Years ago, I I, I saw this in the Word, and I stood up, and I said it out loud. I I, I refuse to, to expect things from people to do for me. I refuse to get my eyes on anybody and dwell on what they're supposed to do for me. I refuse to. When it comes to people, I expect nothing. And you know I'm not disappointed. When it comes to God, I expect everything. Right? He deals with people. If they don't obey Him, He deals with other people. Right? But I never let me get, get, get my eyes on people. And, and you know, it spares us. Then I don't come in here and berate all the people that's not here. Or berate folk for what they didn't do. Why? Because... The expect, you know, I expect you to, to, to rise up and grow, but what, I, what am I expecting you to do for me? Nothing. So if you do something for me, I'm just excited and thrilled. I purpose, I'm that way with my family. I purpose to be that way with everybody around me. I purpose to be that way. And then, you know, then I got nothing to gripe about. Well, they didn't do that for you. Well, who said they were supposed to? Who said they had to? You got nothing to gripe about. You got nothing to complain about. And then when somebody does do something, you go, thank you. Glory. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stand up on your feet, please. Say it out loud. When it comes to people, they owe me nothing. When it comes to God, I'm expecting everything. Glory to God. Glory to God.